Hi everyone, welcome to the New Managers Club podcast for our very first episode. Can you believe it? This is a world first that you are listening to. How exciting. First things first, I'm Ali. And I'm Molly. And who are we? We are a pair of 20-something marketing managers about six months or so into the exciting, scary and a bit chaotic world of management and we are so pleased that you're here with us today tuning in. We're here because we want to help you stop surviving and start thriving in your first managerial role or your second or your third. You know, it's fine. We don't discriminate. But life's too short to sit around waiting for the answers. You know, we've got to go get them. We're young. We worked hard to be here. And now that we're here, we are going to get things right. Now, Molly and I may not be experts when it comes to management, but we're living the day to day and we have plenty of experience Together with you, our lovely listeners, we're all going to take the panic out of managing people. And guess what? It's official. You're part of the club. Now, there's a few quick things that we need to go over before we get into the juicy bit of the episode. So I'm going to start us off with a very quick disclaimer. Naturally, because we're not horrible people, we're not trying to cause any harm or offence by anything that we discuss in this episode and throughout the series as a whole. However, naturally, we are going to be drawing on our own personal experiences to colour some of the lessons that we're going to be giving you as we go through this series. If you are one of the lovely, lovely people that we currently work with or have worked with previously, please try to resist the urge to identify yourself. It takes all of the fun out of it and we just want you to focus on enjoying the episodes. But obviously, because we respect everyone that we have encountered in our professional lives, We will be maintaining anonymity as much as possible as we go through. We might use pseudonyms, we might use neutral pronouns, but whatever we do, we're going to really try and keep things respectful here um, and just show a lot of love to everyone that's helped us, taught us, whether they meant to or not, along the way. So yes, we are going to get into the episode today. Molly, tell us very quickly, in your own words, your motivation for starting this podcast. Give our listeners an idea of what they can expect to hear if they click that subscribe button. I wanted to start this podcast because Ali and I have really interesting conversations on a daily basis of how we're finding things. Sometimes things are really difficult and you just need someone that you can call and just scream down the phone to. And we I think we recognize that not everybody has that and it's good to sort of share our experiences and come together and help each other out I should have probably added to the disclaimer that we may scream from time to time on this podcast we're going to try to keep it to a minimum but we might just need to do like a therapeutic scream from time to time so I'm not going to rule out that that might happen Now, today we are talking about our best and worst management experiences. Management 101, always start with an icebreaker, whether people want to or not. Now, I know this is going to be super juicy, and to make it even juicier, we will be featuring some stories from our amazing Instagram followers. So thank you so much to everyone who submitted these absolute horror stories. We'll say we we did enjoy reading them, so thank you for doing that. And we will get into those in a little bit. Throughout this series, we will be wanting to hear from you, our listeners, so if you ever want to contribute your thoughts, let us know your experiences, your challenges, things you'd like to hear from us, please do go give us a follow on Instagram, at New Managers Club, and give us your thoughts. We would absolutely love to hear them. So, before we get into those stories, Molly, start us off by taking us back to your first role in your professional career. (laughs) What was it like? How were you managed? What did you learn? It was an interesting time. So my first role 
that I ever had. I was 16 and I worked at Legoland during the school holidays and Amazing. weekends, which was fun. I don't really remember what the management was like there. It felt a little bit like being at school because we were all really young in the same boat and they were sort of just like mm. herding cattle. <laughs> I'm sure your colleagues would love to be referred to as cattle. Thank you, <laughs> no, all of Molly's sorry. Legoland sorry. alumni for being that cattle. <laughs> no, but there were there were thousands of us, and we all had these really horrible trousers that we had to wear, like blue trousers with massive trousers. pockets. It was awful, and um, wow. like a red polo. It was not a good look. But um, another uniform. Yeah. So yeah, that was my first real experience of the working world, and it was. It was good. I think for a part-time first job, it was it was all right. The reason why I'm asking you that is because something that we'll talk about as we go through this episode is that all management techniques really are born out of experience. Whether it's a good experience, whether it's a bad experience, it is really easy. I think it's our kind of natural default as humans to copy the behavior that we see. So I think it's really interesting to start this series off by talking about um, some of the management experiences we had, particularly in the early days where, you know, we were probably quite impressionable. I think it's fair to say, you know, we were learning. We hadn't had experience before, so we didn't really know what to expect. Um, So you said that um, there was a lot of you at Legoland, a lot of people to manage. So what was the kind of like team dynamic like in that environment so i worked in the ticket booth those giant lego bricks at the front and then handing out maps and things on the turnstiles it was great fun apart from when it was boiling hot and there was like no air conditioning it was, it was great i don't know why the the concept of you in a lego brick is so funny to me at least you weren't in one of those mascot costumes i think that would be the worst yeah although someone we work with i hear used to have that role of really giant costumes yeah wow okay letting all of the secrets slip when we get off this episode you're gonna have to tell me who that is i'm intrigued i will i will (laughs) so how did you feel when you were kind of going in for the interview for that role you know what was that experience like so when i (laughs) this is a terrible story when (laughs) i went to this interview it was my first ever job interview i've never worked before and it felt like such a big deal this was like a major event in my life it's a big deal and like yeah it like it mattered it mattered to me I, I was so nervous that I threw up before I left home before the interview okay at least you didn't throw up in the interview I feel like that would be a lot worse yeah <laughs> that would have been very embarrassing <laughs> um but no managed to hold it in there but um yeah and it was it, I was just so so nervous I like was shaking the whole way mm. through the interview we did these like at Legoland they do these like mass um group interviews and they hire like hundreds of people at the same time um yeah, had I known that, I might not have been as scared. And also, somebody else that we work with also used to work at Legoland as a manager during the time that I was hired. I feel like I should just very quickly say that we do live near Legoland. Like, we're not... <laughs> there's a reason why everyone that we know seems to work there. Like, we're not just commuting halfway across the country yeah. just specifically to go to Legoland. we love Legoland. <laughs> Molly, tell us a story. Sorry, carry on. Um... Yeah, so I was, I was I was speaking to this colleague and saying, oh, like I worked at Legoland during this time and it turns out they were a manager there at that time and they told me they would have hired absolutely anyone at the time. They were so desperate for staff, they wouldn't have cared. And so like I went through this traumatic experience of like bombing before the interview and they would have just hired me anyway. Wow, okay, well, I'm sorry you went through that trauma, but I do actually have a bit of a confession to make about that. And I feel a bit traumatized now that you've told me that because I actually went for an interview at Legoland when I was... God, I must have been 18, 
Yeah, I think I was probably 18. Um, for a ride operator role. your first job? Um, no, it was not my first job. My first job was actually at McDonald's. So I'm not going to get into that. What? How, how have I known you for almost five years and I've not known that you've worked at McDonald's? I still have the uniform. I wear it on Halloween. <laughs> Do you actually have it? <laughs> I used to have it. I did genuinely wear it for, for quite a few Halloweens. It's a, it's wow. a fantastic fancy dress outfit. I did. I loved it for that reason. And I also loved the discount card that I got as well. So it was oh. great. Um, but <laughs> sorry, it was not my first role. And it was not, well, one of the reasons why it wasn't my first role was because I went for this interview, went through that group interview phase, like you said, where you're crammed in with hundreds of other people. Where you have to build like the Eiffel Tower of Lou role and all the weird team building things they get you to do where they're like psychoanalyzing you. And after all that, I didn't get it. So I'm absolutely thrilled to know that they literally would have taken anyone off the street <laughs> And they didn't want me. So that is fantastic. Thank you so much. It's just, it's the role you went for. It was the ride operator. <laughs> this is the most senior role at Legoland, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're saying that was so much conviction. I definitely know that's, that's accurate. Thank you. I mean, I, I think they probably just press some buttons. I don't think anyone in the room that I was in was responsible enough to actually be, like, properly in charge of rides. Yeah, some serious stuff. <laughs> Well, so we know then that Legoland maybe wasn't where you got your best kind of leadership or management skills, but was it your worst experience? Have you had any no. since then that that have, you know, stood out in terms of bad experiences? Yeah, I think yeah. My... <laughs> there's so much in that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like that. Yeah, told the whole story. My first, so this, this experience I'm about to talk about is my first office job. Right. Different dynamic. Mm. and it, I think it's probably up there up there with some of the worst experiences people have ever had in offices wow. and you see why so I left school after my A-levels because I, I just fancied it being in the working world and doing something just fancied it you know just like fancy like fancy popping just down to the shops it. you know fancy yeah. going into an yeah. office that's fine yeah <laughs> I did I did um and so I did an apprenticeship so I this was this role that I was in it's my first office job and it was a marketing apprenticeship but the company that I went to was really local to me very small business and it was a family business so I was like the first external employee that they'd ever sort of hired and wow no pressure no and to set the scene it was in this like awful awful dingy office above a giant warehouse in like the not very nice part of our town you are selling it you know what i'm amazed they haven't got you back yeah. uh, you know giving testimonials welcoming new staff members honestly you're just selling me the dream right now my time there almost ended with a restraining order whoa okay <laughs> no, i'm joking got to tell me why it wasn't that bad but my boss was incredibly creepy and um, wow. so yeah in terms of experiencing management he was the worst like proper management to have experienced he he was he was pretty young and he'd obviously had no management experience whatsoever in the past right. and he just used to do the creepiest stuff to me <laughs> and <laughs> in hindsight i'm like screaming at my younger self like run get out of there what are you doing <laughs> but at the time because i'd not experienced the working world like properly before apart from legoland i was like oh okay this is probably just like pretty standard like and none of my friends were in office jobs yet because they'd all mm. gone to university and things so i i was sort of like out on my own in that way mm. and um 
so yeah, he he would like come and sit at my desk and like micromanage and literally watch me do tasks. Oh. He'd invite me in my in his office and tell me how beautiful he thought I was. Oh, and, oh yeah, no. no, okay, micromanagement is one thing, one very bad thing that I'm sure we will discuss in more detail in a future episode. But I mean, we're getting into like a crime here. I feel like this is not just <laughs> bad management. This is this is a restraining order material. That's terrible. Yeah, he was creepy. Um and. Yeah, and he used to lie to me all the time. And there was a bit of a language barrier as well because because they were a family business. They all spoke a language that I didn't. I had no understanding of. Couldn't understand what they were saying 90% of the time. And then when they right. wanted to speak to me, they would just they'd speak in English, which, you know, was great. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was tough. It was, it was really tough to sort of settle into that sort of environment and then to have this weird, creepy boss. And he would, like, sort of stand over my shoulder and make me go faster. Go faster? Like, working faster. Like, get my brain to function faster. I don't know why when you say that I've got, like, a vision of you on an exercise bike or in, like, a giant hamster wheel or something and him, like, hounding you to go faster. This sounds so bizarre. Yeah, it wouldn't have surprised me if he did do something like that. But no, I wanted... <laughs> Bear in mind, I was 18. I was an apprentice. I was on, like, £3 an hour. It, uh, he was paying me, like, £600 a month. You were not on £3 an hour. Is that true? Yeah, it was really, really low. Really low. Like, criminal. I think they've raised it wow. now, but um, yeah, sad times for me. Um, <laughs> it was it was good experience though, <laughs> horrible, but um, it helped me later on in my career for sure. But um, yeah, so he'd get me doing these like word searches every day in the morning to like help my brain function to go faster, and like I'm all for optimization and working faster and smarter and more effectively, but that was like a step too far. Um, yeah, and then the the tipping point, the so I I managed to last a whole year there. Wow! But the final straw was on my birthday. He got me a box of chocolates, but he didn't just hand them to me like a normal person would. <laughs> he invited me into his office. He closed the door. Wow! So much is happening in this office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, like the office had a big glass door. Anyone else that came in could have seen what he was doing. Oh my! So yeah, he takes me in his office and. He doesn't just give me this box of chocolates. He tries to hand feed me a chocolate. And that's oh where I, I drew the line. That's where everything else, you know what, I can accept. But you're trying to put your hand in my mouth. And it's great. No. Do you know what? It's, it's really great to know that that's where you draw the line. <laughs> yeah, it was just awful. And um, I declined the offer <laughs> of him doing that. And he, could, he was a bit pushy with it. He kept sort of insisting that he does it. And no. I was just like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm really good. Like, I'm not <laughs> hungry. <laughs> um, so that was great fun. And I left shortly after that. I, I actually resigned with immediate effect because wow. I was just so traumatized by the experience. Um, but luckily I found an, an amazing job after that. So it was fine. Okay, so you went on to a bigger, better management experience. That is great to know that you, you got out of there and you went on to better things. That's brilliant. I think it's really interesting what you said about... Um, kind of feeling like that was normal because I think particularly when you're kind of younger in your career and I think that this phenomenon allows managers bad managers specifically to get away with a lot of stuff because yeah. you know if you've got a young team chances are they may not have worked in that many other office environments before mm. or you know outside of the office were in whatever professional setting that you're in and it means that I feel like they, they think they have a license to do whatever they want. I mean, your, yours yeah. is a very extreme example. But I do feel like there's probably a lot of 
maybe younger people in their career who don't quite know what normal is and so we're just putting up with really terrible business practices i've seen that i've seen that i've seen managers tear other young women down just you know insecure managers that just feel like they can do it and it's awful awful to watch so yeah if anyone's listening that's experienced anything like that no, sorry. Hope if you've experienced any of the issues in today's program, <laughs> resign with immediate effect. Um, <laughs> no, but it's true. And I mean, it can have really serious consequences, I think. I mean, mm. probably like 80% of the world, I'm obsessed with true crime. Like, love it. It's what I binge on. It's what I choose to binge on, among other things. But I really, I absolutely love true crime. And I was actually listening to a true crime um, podcast a little while ago about this woman who, well, I say woman, you know, she was a, she was a young woman, and she was in her first job. I think it was like a part time garden centre job, something like that. Um, you know, quite flexible work um, when she was quite young, and she was being massively groomed by her manager. And I mean, it, it, it ended very badly. Oh. You can imagine it was a true crime podcast, not going to end with something happy. But um, you know, they. I remember they had an interview <laughs> with her parents afterwards, and they were like she thought this was normal you know she didn't tell anyone because she had no idea that this was not okay and this is not how every manager should act and you know how people just treat positions of leadership i mean again an extreme example but i think you do see these kind of microaggressions potentially or just general kind of transgressions coming out massively particularly directed at young people in the workplace i feel because there's that that ability to do it that's so true do you know a little bit further on in my career I was about 21 at the time so I'd been in marketing for almost three years I had another insane manager in a different way but she was like she was not okay there was like things going on there and (laughs) things going on oh my god I feel like you've had such a such a span yeah no I've had many many good managers but there are a few bad ones in there and like just for like it's not just me thinking like all managers are bad but she got fired after like three weeks so there you go it wasn't just me um (laughs) but we were on a one woman mission to get her out of there (laughs) yes but um the impact that her behavior had on me I was so stressed that I came out with rashes all over my chest on my arms it was it it was soul destroying and I only experienced it for about three weeks but it had such a massive impact on me and also there was another um woman in the team who I know felt exactly the same way um and it was it was awful really really awful and it makes it makes me feel very like I want to make sure that I do a good job as a manager because I never Mm. want to make anybody feel the way that I felt in those two roles that was just awful so what kind of thing are we talking about crazy behavior we've had the creepy behavior now tell me about the crazy well you know without dropping too many hints you uh you do know this person you okay i was trying to play dumb but (laughs) no i know Um, i know this i mean i witnessed most of this being in the same office as you um but our listeners do not have that privilege so tell them what kind of thing we're talking about here so this manager was just she was a micromanager but had zero i don't know how she even got the job if i'm honest she, which sounds really horrible but she she didn't know what she was doing and she put a lot of pressure on me to do things um sort of way above my pay grade and um and bear in mind I was also so we started at the same time we were both very new together <laughs> and she was just I don't even know how to describe her behavior like you experienced it as well like I don't know what, what how would you even describe that 
I mean, I wasn't really experiencing it from a management point of view, in fairness. Molly and I do work in, well, now manage separate teams. Um, so I didn't experience it in quite the same way. I just saw, like, the sociopathic stuff, like the very yeah. <laughs> the surface-level stuff. No, I think um, that's a good way to describe it. She was a sociopath. Yeah, interesting, interesting person. <laughs> we wish her all the best. <laughs> I have seen from her LinkedIn history that she has had a string of very short employment spurts since that time. <laughs> okay, so maybe our best wishes aren't going to help her out. But we'll send them anyway, sending her all the good thoughts and hopes <laughs> for getting yeah. better. And maybe listening to this podcast and maybe learning some things, who knows. So, speaking of terrible management experiences, we have had so many responses to our Instagram story asking for your worst experiences with a manager. So, thank you so much again if you were one of the people who sent us your horrific tales of managerial faux pas. Yeah, I love the level of support as well from the messages that people were sending. Everyone seems so supportive of our new sort of um, little thing that we're doing here. So, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, it's lovely. We really, really, really appreciate it. We will be keeping these stories anonymous naturally, but if you recognise your story, then just know how much we appreciate you sending it in. I'm going to start us off with one common theme that came out from the stories that were sent across to us. So that is undermining your staff and their ability. Molly, from your face, which our listeners won't be able to see, but that was a face of recognition that I saw just there. Clearly you have experienced this, and I hope that you're going to tell me about it in just a few minutes' time. But unfortunately, some of you wrote in to let us know that you have been belittled, mocked, or made to feel just totally inadequate in your roles. This ranges from one follower who was relegated to the role of making tea by their manager, and in their own words became a glorified receptionist, which is just absolutely shocking. Um, another follower was told that all they do at work is paint their nails, and that's a direct quote. What? Yeah, I, know, I mean, I, don't, I would love to know how that even came out as an insight. I mean, maybe they did like to paint their nails. I mean, who doesn't? But <laughs> yeah, what a delightful manager that sounds like. That is some constructive criticism right there. Lovely. We will feature that yeah. in our episode on giving feedback. But, but sadly, another one of our followers actually told us that their manager had destroyed their confidence in their role when they were really early on in their career. It's sad, isn't it, Molly, genuinely, yeah. that managers have the power to do that. You've talked about some of the negative experiences that you've had. How did you bounce back from not letting those negative experiences early on in your career impact the kind of manager that you are today? I I think I use it to know what I don't want to be um, mm. and what I, like, I do want from a team environment. Like, I know, like, that was, those experiences were so bad that I know that, I don't want anyone to ever have to experience that again. And so I would never, ever do that to anybody else. I think um, I'm almost, I go so far the other way that I, if I ever thought I was even slightly doing something or any of those toxic behaviours, I'd, you know, be really hard on myself because I just think, no, you can't be doing that. And I see some of these, those behaviours that you were talking about, about ruining people's confidence, that, that can alter someone's entire career. That's so, so just awful to be doing to anyone I'm sure we've all either experienced it partly ourselves or witnessed other other managers doing that to people and it's it's awful isn't it it is really awful I think that 
one of the biggest challenges comes when managers don't realize the level of responsibility that they have yeah i mean you you know you take the job you take hopefully a massive pay rise you know you take all the extra responsibility hopefully well i hope that our followers are going out there and getting the money that they deserve but you know you take the responsibility you take the boring meetings that you have to sit in you know you do all those things but actually there's a lot of kind of untold responsibility unshared information about what you have to do and the responsibility that now sits on your shoulders i mean i've really felt Mm. this in terms of i've i've had the really really rewarding experience over the last six months of being able to build a team from scratch not easy in my first couple of months in my role um and certainly not what i expected to be doing at all and um, if you told me a year ago that this is how i would be spending 2021 i would have been shocked but um you know it, it was genuinely a really 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 ratifying experience because i got to really take the time to build relationships with those people i wasn't inheriting them you know i could really start from the ground up and set the culture in my team set the environment the atmosphere that i wanted with fresh faces um you know with no skeletons in the closet and just really starting from scratch which is fantastic but equally with that was so much responsibility you know i was their face of the company that we work for that will remain nameless unless you search us on linkedin then you know you'll find out Okay, I didn't even think about that. But yes, you could definitely do that and connect with us while you're there. I'm sure we'll be sharing lots of interesting resources. Sorry about that plug, but you know. Um, But I I genuinely, because I was, uh, particularly with virtual working, you know, I was their whole experience of the company and we did our best to, you know, integrate them with the organisation as a whole. But ultimately, I was the person they were speaking to every day. I was setting them up, I was training them. Mm. I was giving them the majority of their experiences and that was a huge responsibility, I mean, particularly when it wasn't just one person, yeah. you know, it was a full team. But do you know what, as someone on the outside watching you do that, I think you did that particularly well. Aww, I think you're very you. good at creating like a like a fun, open environment and you can see it in your team and then how they then act with other people within the department. I think, yeah, I know that must have been really hard, but I think you did a really good job there. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. I appreciate that feedback. We love giving <laughs> feedback here and we appreciate we it. Do. <laughs> give me constructive criticism if you want to or don't care just give me feedback that is great um no i appreciate that you know it it was something that i didn't find easy um but luckily i had a lot of support and a, it was you know one of the most rewarding things that i've done um and i think it's kind of stood me in good stead to continue my uh, managerial path and probably given me the confidence to start this podcast with you so um it wasn't all bad it was a really really yeah. great experience So we do have a few other shocking stories to get into, I have to tell you. One follower wrote in to let us know that their boss wouldn't give them any time off when they were struggling with a busy exam period. And this was in a part-time job, you know, the kind of jobs we were talking about at the beginning of this episode, Mm. you know, your first role. Um, And to them, you know, this follower shared with us that they felt that just showed a complete disregard for their mental health and well-being. Yeah. This seems a bit counterintuitive, doesn't it, Molly? You know, when we want employees to be bringing their best selves to work, their whole selves, you know, being able to really give 100% in their role, not being able to show any flexibility and any empathy to situations that employees might be going through, not being willing to kind of adapt your leadership and, you know, their requirements. Um, You know, it, it seems like the complete wrong approach to me. But Molly, in your own experience, has there ever been a time when you've had to manage expectations at the office to make sure your team avoid, you know, burnout or feeling overwhelmed? Definitely, yeah. So when I first took over the team, we were a team member down um and 
we were all working at capacity and that was really hard and I think something that I feel like it's really really important to make sure that um nobody feels stressed or overworked I feel like there's always a solution not everything needs to be done right now we can prioritize and we can make things work so yeah there are times where we've had to push back um timelines or um take things off our plate and just not be able to commit to to some things to make it work it's not worth I think the long-term impact of stressing out your team to impress one person is just not worth it you need them on your side you need them to be happy in the role and if um you know if it means pushing a few things back and you've got to do it don't you yeah absolutely i mean unless you're working in like brain surgery or something you don't do that. You know, that, that, that's high pressure stuff we don't do that that's the thing but actually one thing our director actually within our organization at the moment says quite a lot and i'm sure they won't mind me quoting them is that you know these are not life or death situations there is always an alternative thankfully we are not dealing in brain surgery you know there is always a way around it if we have to you know slacken things from time to time that's the way it has to go and we have to prioritize people and that is such a big focus and I feel like that's one of the reasons why this particular director has been Mm -hmm. really successful in kind of rallying people around her because you have that approach of taking care and not always putting the business first and that yeah. sounds re- I, you probably hear it in my voice that sounds really counterproductive yeah. when I say it obviously the business is so 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 important but ultimately people drive the business and if you don't have that then you don't have a business so, so it's it's a balancing act 100% it definitely is it's like I've had managers in the past where they're really difficult about even like popping out for a doctor's appointment like they make it hard or you know, you've got to take your annual leave and I just think like you know if you need to pop out and do something do it because I know that when I need them they'll volunteer to help for that event on a Saturday where I need them to do some work. Like, you've got to give and take, don't you? You can't just expect the world and not have any flexibility. A hundred percent. I feel like flexibility is probably something we could do a whole episode on, and I'm sure we will. We should, we should. I'll add it to the list. But, you know, it's something we can touch on, you know, lightly here, is that I've been in a couple of situations, I'm sure every manager listening to this, Molly, I'm sure you have had the same you know particularly in the landscape of virtual working as we all know about and I won't bang on about um you know the the majority of workers around the world have been forced into working from home sitting in their bedroom rolling out of bed to their desk as I currently do and you know that that is the reality of it and I've had a couple of situations where you have to kind of let go of preconceived notions of what getting work done looks like you know we've worked in an office environment for so long and even if you don't subscribe to the whole you know bums on seat mentality ultimately that has been your whole perception of work up until that point particularly if you've worked in more kind of traditional businesses but allowing flexibility and just really for me something that I've really tried to hold on to during this experience is how would I want to be treated? If this was me and I were in my team, would I want to be able to pop out for a doctor's appointment, to see a friend for lunch, to do this, to do that? You know, would I want that? And would I appreciate being given the autonomy to manage my own time? Yes, I would. A hundred percent I would. And that was actually one of the other things, um, we'll get into it in, in just a few minutes, actually, that a lot of people said, that they really wanted from managers in their replies to us is empowerment and the choice to be able to, you know, set their own boundaries, manage their own time. And I think like that is a really powerful thing to be able to give people as a manager. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think that is, as you sort of said, over the last couple of years with us all working from home, I think that's a real big shift. Like we've 
didn't used to be able to have any flexibility in our working life. We weren't allowed to work from home. And there has been such a shift in such a positive direction in that. It's like, it's like on Tuesday this week, I, I ended up working until like seven o'clock in the evening, not because I'm overworked and I felt like I had to do it. It's because I was in the flow of working mm. and I knew that I could smash out this entire report if I just kept going while I was in that mindset. But if I knew that there was no flexibility for me to, you know, go out on Friday afternoon and get a coffee or something then I, I wouldn't have done that. I would have clocked off at five and it probably would have taken me three extra days to do that report. But having that flexibility and knowing I can do things when I'm in the right mindset to do them. And mm. um, I think, yeah, employers get way more out of it. And I think, yeah, it is about empowering your teams, isn't it? Letting them know that yeah, they can make these decisions. They know when they work best and that's, that's that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And on the kind of flip side of that, the last thing that I want to talk about from the responses that we've got is about blame and accountability. Quite a few. <laughs> that was a noise of acknowledgement, Molly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite a few of the responses we got focused on managers that were unable to accept responsibility for their role within a team. And I think that's quite an interesting dynamic to explore, actually. Again, something I'm sure we'll pick up in a later episode. You're probably getting sick of me saying that. You know, understanding when you're a manager, you still have a role within your team. You're not outside of it. You're still very much part of it, driving it, contributing mm-hmm. to it. Um, but one of the ways that our followers told us that this kind of manifests themselves. So if we're talking about blame and accountability, this might be shown through a lack of upskilling or teaching staff members. One of our followers actually spent two months learning everything on the job because their manager had a learn as you go approach, which actually just ended up causing massive confusion and counter productivity. I can't imagine that. That would freak me out so much not to be given any direction yeah. or any. That that to me is, you know, the absolute opposite of empowerment. You know, you might think yeah. that in letting someone forge their own path, you're helping them and, you know, challenging them mm-hmm. to find out things for themselves. Actually, what I think you're doing setting is... Setting them up to fail. Yeah, absolutely. And you're making yeah. an environment where they're not going to learn. You know, that's not an environment yeah. where anyone would learn, I don't think. No, do you know, and I've seen this, I've seen an example of this where someone had a new member of their team and they just wanted to see what they were made of, see if they could make it, see if they were tough enough. And they This is not WWE. We are all tough enough. We do not have, like, what is that? What is being tough enough to do? What are these mental games? (laughs) What is that? No awful and you know we're just like oh my god I want to go and give you a hug like this is an awful experience for you probably um but yeah I think it's I think I uh, it makes me wonder why some managers do this um and if you're listening and you recognize this in yourself like don't worry like you can fix this it's you know we all have sometimes toxic traits that we know we need to work on um, mine is sitting in bed scrolling my phone way too long in the evening, even <laughs> I'm tired. Um, <laughs> but we all have these things that we need to work on, and I it makes mm. me wonder why why do these managers do this? And I think potentially, I wonder if that's how they would like to be onboarded. They would like to just mm. figure it out for themselves. They like to be quite independent, maybe. But that I think it's really important to be aware of how other people learn and how other people like to be managed. And yeah, yeah it's. A difficult one, isn't I it? completely agree. I think I want to. I want to touch on something that Molly just said there. You know, it would be very easy for us to sit here and sound like we know everything, 
And one thing that I'm going to repeat throughout this series is that we do not know everything. Mm. We are new to this 100% and we are learning. And actually, this is one of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast was to learn from each other, learn from Mm. you guys, the community that I hope we're going to build of new or up and coming or aspiring managers that need that help and support. That is why we're here. We're not here to tell you what to do. We're not here to judge. (laughs) I say we're not here to judge. I mean, that's literally what we've just done for this whole episode. (laughs) But, you know, we, we say... I don't know if I can say that we say none of this with judgment. We, we naturally judge as human beings, but, you know, everything, to Molly's point, is fixable. Yeah. Everything that you might be doing, and I'm sure there's things um, that Molly and I are already aware of in our own management yeah. style that we'd like to change. Yeah, the thing is, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to be a better manager. You want to be the best mm. manager you can be. So, yeah, I think you're all good. You're taking the right steps, even if you do notice some of those toxic traits in yourself. You know, it's all right. Yeah, absolutely. We can get better together and that is absolutely what we're going to be doing. So I'm going to tell you very quickly about another follower that actually told us that when they raised an issue that they were having with a senior member of staff, they were told that it was their fault if they were upset and not the manager's fault for making a hurtful comment in the first place. On the topic of difficult conversations, actually, another one of our followers found out that their manager had accused them of slacking off to another co-worker and that co-worker was not even another manager. Oh dear, that's not good, is yeah. it? I no, think, terrible. Yeah, yeah, that this and this is a whole another podcast, but about having honest conversations and giving feedback instead of just bitching about someone's behaviour is so important in a management role, isn't it? It's almost like we could make a whole series out of this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Should we do that? Yeah, what a great idea. Yeah, I think we should just do that. Great. Okay, I think we should just do that. I'm glad we had this conversation. Now, I'm going to read you this last story from one of our followers. Of course, I'm going to keep their identity anonymous. Here we go. I'm going to read this word for word. My last manager was my worst one, and it was just me and her on the marketing team. Super scatty, horrendously disorganized, no structure and very little help. She was often away, which was very isolating. And when things weren't as she wanted or didn't perform well, despite my effort to do something that had no decent brief, all I got was blame. Molly, is this sounding familiar? Yes, very, very. (laughs) But what, what do you make of that? You know, it seems to me from all the examples that we've shared... All employees want is just a little bit of empowerment. What can we as managers do to ensure that we are always empowering our teams and don't fall into any of these common mistakes? I think it's a difficult one. You know, I don't think that I'm there with that yet. I try really hard to um, make sure my team feel like they can make decisions, sign things off. Um, I don't want to be looking over everything they're doing. I I don't feel like I should know absolutely every tiny detail of everything they're doing as long as things are done on time and I trust them to make the right decisions on behalf of the company on behalf of our team and I think I think part of that part of being able to empower your team is having really strong organizational and department goals and Mm. individual goals for for each person because they know what they're ultimately aiming for and sometimes someone in your team might not do something the way that you exactly expected it to be done or in the same way but actually you sort of look at it and you think wow like you absolutely smashed that like I wouldn't have done it that way but I absolutely love it and so I think there there's so much good that can come out of um empowering people to do things and just trying things out and I think it, it I've seen it grow people's confidence significantly and um ultimately just it just 
it lifts the spirits of the team and it, it gets the job done a lot quicker I think mm, absolutely no I completely agree with you so now we're back to positivity and doing the right thing hopefully we hope most of the time we're doing even nearly the right thing Molly tell us about your best manager and how you emulate what they taught you in your role then into your position now I have had a couple of really good managers, actually. I am thrilled to hear that after everything else that you've said. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to be honest, even some people that I have worked with early on in my career, although they weren't directly managing me, um, they sort of had that same sort of feeling. They were there to like help me develop. They were he- there to help me push my career in whatever direction I wanted and were sort of always on hand when help and um like we said like empowering I think that's that is it when I think about it the the managers that I've found best let me figure things out make mistakes without blame or you know making me feel like a terrible person they're appreciative that I'm still you know in the positions that I have been in the past I was still learning they gave me the space and confidence to do that and they really believed in me like even sometimes when I didn't believe in myself they'd be like come on you can do this like you've got this and sometimes you just need that don't you um Mm. so yeah I'd say that they were really empowering and also um managers that sort of have your they you know they have your back like Mm. if something goes wrong they're not going to tear you down and they're going to be understanding and support you as opposed to um you know things going things getting nasty or like the blame is being placed on things so yeah I think just generally supportive encouraging um managers have have been my best friends oh well I'm glad to hear that it hasn't all been doom and gloom I mean I think it's really interesting what you were saying about managers that um actually didn't manage you at all you know but you Mm. felt the positive effect that they were able to have on you in your career and I think that's really important you know management isn't just about being a manager for your team it's about being a positive role model within the organization that you're in and looking who outside of your team you can help as well which is a really hard thing to do because nine times out of ten we're probably so preoccupied with the team that we have but actually there's probably people that could benefit from that same influence outside of your team too yeah i think a lot of the time you can sort of do that without even realizing it i think some of these Mm. people that like massively helped me in my career might not have even known like they might have just been like a little bit of a conversation or a tip that they were giving here and there but actually that made such a big difference to me and that's like advice when you're particularly at the beginning of your career or if you're making a career change or career jump having those people that and sometimes it can be just like one quick thing that they say over a coffee and you're like that just changes my whole perspective on everything this is amazing Mm -hmm. and I feel like that every time I have a coffee with you (laughs) you? (laughs) yeah oh that's good but yeah, I know. I think it's. I think it's good, isn't it? I think it's hard at the moment. Like we're new, becoming new managers in a pandemic, and we've sort of had limited um, time in the office, so we haven't been able to maybe sort of socialise and have chats over coffee as much as we normally would. Um, so yeah, that's also why we're here on this podcast for us all to do that. Yeah, no, me too. I've definitely had really positive experiences with managers that weren't my manager but you know I, particularly one that really springs to mind actually a time that I was massively called out um and thankfully I've never had that kind of big blame massive dressing down by a manager I've been spoken to in ways that I have not appreciated in the past by managers but I've never had like the shouting the like severe you know I think mm, I would cry yeah. if someone did that to me 
which as a woman yeah, i really don't want to do in the workplace but if someone shouted at me i definitely would cry um but you know I'm, I, thankfully i haven't had that but yeah. i remember one time um a manager uh, called me out is honestly the only way that i can describe it you know uh, casting my mind back to the start of my career and this was when i was quite early on um I had a bit of sass, which I know you can't possibly believe that I had a bit of like an attitude about me. But, you know, I I worked really hard to get where I was. I was really proud of my job. I really wanted to do well. And anyone that I didn't feel was taking their role seriously just like was not a person for me, which is fine. Problem is that I couldn't keep my mouth shut about it. And I I said some things to some people that I probably shouldn't have said some things to about a particular person that I felt wasn't performing well in their role and you know why on earth I thought it was any of my business I don't know but I did um and this manager just literally took me for a coffee and I can I can put myself back in my shoes now um walking over to the coffee machines um with this person how are you feeling in that moment did you know something bad was coming no because you I think you probably know who I'm talking about and they're very um casual and like do just you know you do just go for a coffee and it's absolutely fine and it started off like a very a very normal chat and then um it transpired that they had been made aware of some comments that I had made about this particular person um but rather than saying you know what on earth are you doing who are you to say this this is not what we do here um they just said what's going on you know where is this coming from why do you have this perception what is happening that is making this such an important part of your job right now as in why is this front of mind for you and why can't you let this go um and what's happening and that compassionate approach it was like killing with kindness i literally wanted the ground to swallow me up but it was it was both better and worse than being shouted at because there was so much empathy there and it really was just a kind of I want to understand why you're feeling this way and I want to do what I can to stop you from feeling that way but equally you need to keep your damn mouth shut because we're (laughs) at work and this is not okay you know but but that wasn't even said but it was just even the fact that it was being raised with me was like okay you know sort yourself out you've had a little bitch you've had a little moan move on you know let it go and and just kind of knowing that she knowing that they were aware of what I was what had been happening and didn't even need to tell me off it was it was like when your parents say that they're not angry they're disappointed it was just that yeah Yeah. it was it was bad yeah that must have been really embarrassing I can imagine (laughs) you're like what a humiliating experience (laughs) for you it sounds like it but I also think in some ways you're firstly you're very lucky to have had such an understanding manager that um treat is such a like a a human approach to it isn't it like I think sometimes the approach to you feel like in a management role I think some managers feel like they have to do a telling off and like I I, you know we're not children here there's no need for that um but I think you're also quite lucky that you experienced that early on you learned that very hard and embarrassing lesson (laughs) early on and you can move on now you know now you know not to bitch about other people in the workplace (laughs) I yeah that was a big lesson and I I mean I wish I could say that I never bitch about anyone but you know I do it in a better way I know who to do it to no I don't I don't um but I mean maybe I do but (laughs) you know it, it um it it was really good it was a good experience overall and I just remember sitting myself back down at my desk with my coffee that I didn't even want to drink at that point and just being like I need to sort myself out you know that was a real what's the word 
pull your, pull your socks up. Yeah. Is that the word? Yeah, Tie yeah. your shoelaces? Yeah. I don't know why I was going to say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, a real pull your socks up moment of sort this out. This yeah. is not okay. And and it was, it is, luckily I haven't had to have any conversations like that in mm. my role currently. But it, it has made me think about how I would approach that with someone. And I think just understanding that everyone is a human being mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten people aren't doing things maliciously. No. You know, I wasn't moaning about this person because... I hated them and I thought they should lose their job. You know, I was frustrated. I felt that I was putting in more effort than someone else and it wasn't being recognised. And that was really frustrating for me. And, you know, taking the time to understand where that was coming from mm-hmm. was such a better way of dealing with the situation. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we've all sort of had those light bulb moments where we're like, oh, like, why did I think that way? Or why was I doing that? I think, but they're they're the key moments, aren't they, in our careers where we're like, oh god that was such a big learning moment like I would never forget that yeah massively massively you catch yourself don't you Mm. you know it's a moment of having that real like when you're dreaming and then you you know knock yourself awake it's like that real okay I can't do this anymore yeah and you know in my in the first I'm still I'm about six months into my first management role now but in particularly in the early days like in the first four months I feel like every day I was having one of those moments oh yeah like we'll talk about these like late in later podcasts when comes time comes but yeah there were so many moments where light bulb moments like every day I was like oh right okay that makes sense like and it's just if at the time it felt a bit overwhelming I was like oh there's so much I don't know but I think it was also a really good time to sort of reflect on what I was learning and Mm. yeah it was really good and I still even now like almost you know daily weekly there's still things I'm learning that I had no idea about before and that's why we're here to share all of those learnings with you guys whether you want to hear them or not um but no it's so right I think particularly when you're managing people um every day is a school day you learn something new people are so nuanced and so complex Mm -hmm. and it can be really hard as a fellow human who is also nuanced and complex to you know work out what you should be doing and what the right way to go is and I think one of the bigger reasons why we really wanted to start this podcast was because management is one of those things that people just expect you to get like overnight Mm -hmm. they think once you have that job title you wake up next morning you're like yeah I'm ready you know I'm good I know how to manage people I know what they want I know what they won't want I know what they're going to say about me and I know how to give feedback do a one-to-one have difficult conversations Mm -hmm. and you absolutely do not you might think you do and amazing if you do because you've got self-confidence that I cannot imagine but you don't you know you you have no idea how to suddenly do all of those things that you haven't done before but equally a lot of people and you know your experience talks to that haven't had good experiences of having it done to them either so where on earth do you go you know what do you do um and hopefully now people will come to the new managers club podcast but it's really hard to find resources that can help you with that I think yeah no it really is to get I think there are a lot of there are there are some resources out there that sort of are quite formal and very Mm. like theory based about management but just like getting in on those conversations being like what's happening like how are you (laughs) finding this like the juicy details like that's what we're here for we're here for the juicy you heard it here first we are here for the juicy details no details if they are not juicy yeah so yeah if you ever have anything that you just just fancy sharing or adding to the conversation do um just ping us a message on instagram and we'll, we'll throw it into the mix yeah we would absolutely love to hear it so this episode has been our best and worst management experiences and so i will round up the main portion of the episode today by saying to all the managers we've loved before thank you for everything that you have taught us 
to all the shitty managers who really grind our gears, go get some damn training and sort yourself <laughs> out. You can fix this. Come on, we can do it together. Um, but, you know, good or bad, management experience shapes us. It helps us to become better, more rounded professionals. So we welcome the good, the bad. It's there to challenge us and make us do better. And thank you so much again for everyone who submitted their stories. We absolutely loved receiving them and hopefully you loved hearing them as well, our listeners. So thank you so much. So before we go, one thing that we're going to do at the end of every podcast episode is tell you something that we have learned from this week. So as managers, as generally young professionals, you know, we're always on the lookout for resources that can help us learn. We're really, you know, trying to keep our skills up to date and on the lookout for things um, that can benefit us in our roles. Molly is the queen of this. Like genuinely, if I if I go to Molly with a problem or with a situation, She's read the book on it. She's written the book on it. She's spoken to the author of the book on it. You know, like, you genuinely, you probably invest more time in learning than anyone else I know. Um, and it is... Oh, I think we're both big on professional development. Yeah. <laughs> I try and absorb the professional development, but I probably don't invest quite as much as you. But that is what I, I'm wanting to get it from you. So I can't wait to hear your recommendations. I'm sure our listeners can't either. So Molly, tell me one thing that you have learned from this week. And it's important just to say very quickly before she does, you know, this can be anything. It doesn't have to be a book. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It can be a conversation. It can be an experience. And that that's really a message to you guys as well. You know, learning can look like whatever you want it to look like. So we're going to be sharing mm-hmm. a really diverse range of things that we've learned from in this segment. So Molly, go on, kick us off. Tell us about one yeah. thing. Yeah. So I think most of my learning has been from experiences, but I there's one particular resource that I um, listened to this week that I think is probably really valuable to other people. Um, it's, it's a concept that I don't know if it's just me, but I'd never really heard of this before. Um, it, the concept of it was mentioned to me a few weeks ago, um, and I knew I needed to find out more about it. But it's about managing up. Mm. So not just managing your team, but managing your manager. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you've got Audible, there's a free series on Audible and it's from Harvard Business Review and it's all about managing and like sort of different elements to do with that. So they've got things like how to give effective feedback, managing your team, growing your team. They're coming for our gig, Molly. Don't promote this. Yeah, this is very formal. It's, you know... I'm joking. I'm joking. We we love resources. We love to share resources. All learning is good learning. You do not just need to come to us. Sorry, Molly. No, no. You're just here for our fun conversations like you can go and get I'm sure. stuff too yeah. <laughs> it's our winning personalities that bring the people back i know for sure um <laughs> but this particular book and it's only like it was only like 40 minutes long or something like that so it's you know yeah go for a long walk or something in your lunch break um and it, it was just called managing up <laughs> managing up um by harvard business review and yeah, as i said i'm sure i'm sure lots of other people did already know about this but for some reason i had and of all the resources that i've read i'd never really like looked into the concept of managing up but it blew my mind and as i was doing it uh, do you know i actually started listening to this um over the weekend and i started making notes on my phone like i need to start doing this this wow. is a way more effective way for me to get what i need mm-hmm. um, um, so yeah I definitely recommend checking that one out and then all the other sort of free stuff that they have in the series they look really really good I've listened to a couple of them now I also um am listening to how to give effective feedback in that series Ooh. at the moment too so yeah it's a good one check it out and then just um you know tag us on Instagram let us know what you're what you're thinking about it 
Amazing. Okay, well, you have to let us know what insight you get on effective feedback. We will mm. definitely feature that on an upcoming episode. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that resource, Molly. That is super interesting. So what's your lesson from this week? So mine's a bit of a cheat one because it's actually something that Molly recommended to me. But I think it's... Um, I'm, I, I said that I wanted to learn from Molly and that's absolutely what I've been doing. Um, but it's, it's actually not just so much what I read, but it's kind of the practice that is introduced in my life. So Molly recommended this amazing book to me over the Christmas break um, called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Again, I listened to it on Audible. Not a sponsor. Would love to be a sponsor. Um, as in we would love... For, I don't think they'd love to sponsor us, but we would love for them to sponsor us. Um, but we, I, I listened to it as well. Um, while I was cooking my Christmas dinner, um, and it was it was so interesting, you know. But not just the the book, though. I would highly recommend that as well. But that kind of concept of little actions adding up to big results, and I think that's mm-hmm. something that I really want to bring to myself for the year ahead. And it really helped me yeah. to set goals, set intentions, but also set actions that were going to help me get to my goals i think i've really noticed Mm. that the times that i most procrastinate or when i take the least action is when i don't really know what's next or what's required Mm -hmm. and actually just sitting down and working out some actions can be so helpful to helping you get there um and something that i encouraged my team to do and i did myself on our first day back in the office was to take a couple of hours to set some goals and some intentions and really think about what they want to nail for the next, you know, three, six, nine months, um, just to really orient themselves in the new year, because it can be a really strange time where you don't really know what way is up. I mean, I certainly don't. Mm. Um, so just kind of not just setting goals, but working on the tiny little, you know, baby things that you need to do to get you there. You know, if you want to get in shape, you don't need to go out and buy a Peloton. You know, you just need to introduce a tiny bit of movement into your daily routine. And the same applies to your professional life and to your management style. You know, just introduce small good habits that will help you get where you want to go. And I feel like that's a much more sustainable way of getting to what you want to achieve. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it is a really, really... I, I listen to it on Audible as well, but it's such a good read. Yeah. I think, if you know, if you can, it's... I think it was like five, maybe five hours long or something like that. It, it didn't feel, it actually didn't, once, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, we might edit this out, but once I got past the um, quite grating American narration, it was fantastic. <laughs> you know, you, you've got to get past that. When I first started listening to it, I was like, Molly, I cannot do this. But you do, you, you get over it. And he's just very American. And that's fine. You know, it kind of goes with the motivation, but it, it's a bit of a challenge to get past. But once you do, yeah. it, it is really fantastic. The key... The learnings in there are just key. It's yeah. one of, I think it's one of the, um, the one of the up there with some of the best professional development books that I've read. I think it was it was a good one. That is a big statement coming from Molly. She has read a lot of mm. professional development yeah. books. I wouldn't say it was like the best, but you know, it, it was really good. <laughs> okay, wow, well, really, Darren's really going to come for you now. <laughs> no, it, it is really good. I think it just makes things feel achievable, and sometimes. If you're only doing things for 15 minutes here and there, you can sort of think, oh, is that really going to make a difference? But over time, it makes a huge difference. It really is worthwhile persevering. And you'll see why when you listen to the whole books and the book and the context of it. Yeah, I completely agree. So those are some resources that we have been loving this week. We will be back in the next episode telling you about more and with a brand new theme where we'll be focusing on a different element of management. But in the meantime, let us know what you want to hear. You know, we have got 
a very long list of topics that we think it would be useful for us to cover, but we are always looking to add more. If there's any challenges that you particularly are facing in your role, please let us know. You can follow us on social media at New Managers Club on Instagram. Make sure that you don't miss any of the action there and send us your stories, send us your requests. Good, bad, ugly, we want them all, we love them all. You know, just send it to us, join the conversation. We really, really love having a chat with you guys about how it's going. You know, we're here to support you and to hear your experiences. So we would absolutely love to do that. So I will just end by saying thank you so much for tuning in today. Please do subscribe if you want to hear more from us and we will see you in the very next episode. Bye. Bye.